Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to be on the program, 877-973-7425. You can always text Eric to 33777 to follow me around social media. This one's kind of important, though. For those of you who are new listeners, if you old listeners as well, if you text the word DATA, to 33777, the word data, D-A-T-A, to 33777. Uh, you click the link to subscribe to my show notes. Uh, you can get a discount discounted subscription rate. Um, the reason we do that is radio listeners, we want to prioritize you over everyone else. We don't like to push. I, I, so I'm the only guy, I think, in radio still who wants to be a radio guy. Everybody else wants to be the, the podcast guy, the satellite guy, the live stream guy, whatever. I want to be the radio guy. We want to prioritize our radio listeners, and if you text DATA to 33777, get my show notes. When the show comes out, we send you a link to all the stuff I'm going to talk about, so you get a great discount, uh, and you get to see all the stuff I'm talking about, so you can read it and decide for yourself. And there is some stuff in the show notes today you really do have to read, because the Hunter Biden stuff, the fallout continues. Uh, It now looks like perhaps Merrick Garland might have lied to Congress. And the New York Times does its best to both report it and play it down. It's it's very funny how the New York Times does this. Here's the story. Here's the headline. Competing accounts of Justice Department's handling of Hunter Biden case. An IRS investigator's testimony describing strains over their inquiry into President Biden's son is at odds with the version laid out by Attorney General Merrick Garland. I want to play for you. The 60 Minutes interview, it's coming up with the whistleblower. If this was any other person, they likely would have already served their sentence. Gary Shapley was a lead IRS supervisory agent in Operation Sportsman, the investigation into Hunter Biden. Shapley said he uncovered conduct that warranted more serious charges. There were personal expenses that were taken as business expenses. Prostitutes, sex club memberships, hotel rooms for purported drug dealers. How much did Hunter Biden owe in taxes? So from 2014 to 2019, it was $2.2 million. The back taxes were paid off. And last week, the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware, David Weiss, reached an agreement with Hunter Biden. The president's son would admit to a firearm charge and plead guilty for his failure to pay taxes. If a judge signs off, the deal means no jail time. Testimony we have just released details a lack of U.S. attorney independence. And Shapley told lawmakers that U.S. attorney Weiss was blocked from bringing stronger charges. But U.S. attorney general Merrick Garland said last week that Weiss was not. I'm saying he was given complete authority to make all decisions on his own. I documented exactly what happened and it doesn't seem to match what the attorney general or the U.S. attorney are saying today. Shapley provided lawmakers this contemporaneous email he wrote after an October meeting last year. Shapley says Weiss told him the opposite, that Weiss is not the deciding person on whether charges are filed. It was just shocking to me. Shapley, who is still working for the IRS, told us that even before President Biden took office, he was directed to avoid leads involving Hunter's father. There were certain investigative steps that we weren't allowed to take that could have led us to President Biden. And you wanted to take them? We needed to take them. And you weren't allowed to take them? That's correct. 
There you go. That, my friends, is the IRS investigator. And the reality here and the truth of the matter is this puts him in conflict with Merrick Garland. And even the New York Times cannot avoid the story. At a Senate hearing in March, Senator Grassley of Iowa spent seven minutes grilling Merrick Garland about the Hunter Biden investigation, reading a series of unusually specific queries from a paper in his hands. Did David C. Weiss, the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware, kept on under Merrick Garland to continue overseeing the inquiry, have full authority to bring charges against President Biden's son in California and Washington if he wanted to? Had Mr. Weiss ever asked to be made a special counsel? Was the investigation truly insulated from political considerations? That encounter has taken on new significance after House Republicans released testimony from a senior Internal Revenue Service investigator on the case that appeared to contradict Mr. Garland's assurances to Mr. Grassley and others that Mr. Weiss had all the freedom and authority needed. Now, let's go on here. Buried down into the story, the 21st paragraph in. It is not clear if Mr. Weiss was convinced those strands of the investigation should be prosecuted or was simply making sure all potential charges were pursued thoroughly. But in mid-2022, Mr. Weiss reached out to the top federal prosecutor in Washington, Matthew Graves, to ask his office to pursue charges and was rebuffed. A similar request to prosecutors in the Central District of California, which includes Los Angeles, was also rejected, Mr. Shapley testified. A second former IRS official who has not been identified told House Republicans the same story. The episode was confirmed independently to the New York Times by a person with knowledge of the situation. While Mr. Weiss had the authority to pursue leads that led to jurisdictions other than his own in Delaware, the department's practices dictated that he secure the approval and cooperation of the U.S. attorneys in those districts before proceeding. If Mr. Weiss wanted to move ahead without their approval, he could have brought the issue to Mr. Garland's attention and the attorney general could then appoint him special attorney, which would allow him to bypass chain of command. There's no indication Mr. Weiss appealed for help or that he communicated with anybody. This puts all of this in conflict. With the revelation from the New York Times that, in fact, uh, the U.S. attorney from Delaware attempted to pursue charges against Hunter Biden in California and Washington was rebuffed, the left is saying, well, actually, this all happened when Trump was still in office and it was Bill Barr, it wasn't Mayor Garland. The timeline doesn't seem to indicate that. Now, there are two conflicting issues here. Uh, the spin from some is that, well, David Weiss was a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney, but he was also a Biden family friend, so of course he wasn't going to pursue this aggressively. It appears from what the New York Times says, he did try to pursue it and was rebuffed by U.S. attorneys and then did not go, it seems, to Merrick Garland. Perhaps Garland had no idea, but that seems to be unlikely. We really need to hear from David Weiss. We need to hear from him, but there's more to it than that. 
The New York Times is taking another bite at the apple on this. Here's the headline here. Hunter Biden isn't hiding. Even some Democrats are uncomfortable. During last week's state dinner at the White House, Hunter Biden seemed to be everywhere, upbeat and gregarious. He worked at the pavilion with grins and gusto, shaking hands and hugging other guests. One guest who surely did not want to chit-chat with him, though, was Merrick Garland, the attorney general, whose Justice Department two days earlier reached a plea agreement in which the president's son will likely avoid prison. The presence of the younger Biden at such a high-profile event so soon after the plea deal proved to be the buzz of the evening. It did not go unnoticed either when just days later there was Hunter Biden getting on and off Marine One with the president headed to Camp David. Norman Eisen was the ethics czar in President Obama's White House. Had he advised Mr. Biden, Mr. Eisen said he would have warned him about the flack they were going to take, but added that it was just a matter of optics. The White House said Mr. Biden's just being a father. In fact, that seems to be the spin. We heard that from uh, the, the folks on The View. We've heard it from others that you know Joe Biden's just a good dad. Joe Biden's standing by his son. The fact of the matter is the Biden family wouldn't be making all the money they've made but for Hunter Biden's shakedowns of foreign operatives. Listen to how the White House handles this. And I told you guys this was coming. I painted the broader picture of how screwed up Hunter Biden is, and now they're embracing it. The visuals at the White House in the week since Hunter Biden's plea deal was announced highlight the thorny situation for a president with a 53-year-old son traumatized by family tragedy and a devastating history of addiction to alcohol and crack cocaine. While Democrats scorned the conspiratorial fixation of the hard right on Hunter's troubles, some of the president's allies privately complained that, however, understandably, he has a blind eye when it comes to his son. They lament that he did not step in more assertively to stop the younger man from trading on the family's name and business dealings. The plea deal last week was fraught for many reasons. It meant the president's son was admitting to criminal behavior. The decision was announced by a Trump appointee, a U.S. attorney who was kept on by the Biden Justice Department so as not to appear to interfere in his inquiry. There's no evidence the White House interfered, but there is now a growing body of evidence, and this is not the New York Times, this is me, suggesting there was something more. And then there's this from Stephen Miller in The Spectator. And this is perhaps the most noticeable thing to me. Since George Floyd's death in May 2020, the media has had almost a singular focus on portraying the American justice system as institutionally racist. The political left and their big-name donors have worked to install social progressives as attorneys general and prosecutors and have worked to on bail reform to minimize criminal offenses largely by the African Americans. Racial conflict has driven much of the political and media conversation, leading to the widespread concept of DEI in boardrooms and newsrooms and the Democratic Party employing a vague concept of racial equality, equity in place of equality. Yet suddenly all that's gone out the window when it comes to Hunter Biden, the affluent and powerful white son of the sitting president. Hunter's agreed to something of a sweetheart plea deal on several charges related to income tax evasion and lying on a federal firearm background check. 
He not only lied on the background check form when he purchased the firearm, his then-partner Haley Biden, his brother's widow, discarded the gun in a trash can near a no-gun zone school. When Hunter was questioned, he pointed a finger at Hispanic males who had been in the area, suggesting it was probably the illegals. Where, my friends, is the conversation on white privilege? We're all supposed to be mindful of our white privilege, and the media lectures us all the time on white privilege. Where is MSNBC talking about white privilege? Where is Joy Reid and and uh, Mistel, the, the 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 crazy the crazy legal dude on there? Where are they lecturing Hunter Biden on white privilege? Where? Well, Don Lemon's not there anymore, but surely someone at CNN wants to lecture us on white privilege. The New York Times, they sure have kept their mouths shut about white privilege. They have not engaged on the issue, which makes it seem like maybe they're not so concerned with white privilege. They're just concerned with Republicans and conservatives. They don't really care about white privilege. They don't really think people have white privilege. It's just something to be weaponized because surely, surely the major media outlets of this country that lecture us all on our white privilege would say something about this. Hunter Biden blaming illegal aliens for his gun winding up in a trash can when it was his girlfriend who actually did it. It's remarkably remarkably quiet. Robert Draper of the New York Times appeared on CNN this past Sunday talking about the prosecution of Donald Trump. Quote, their point of view is that they're politically persecuted, that there's a two-tier system of justice, not well-off whites versus people of color. It's the ruling class versus Trump supporters. He has not said anything about the double standards at play in the Hunter Biden story. Wonder why that is. Vision Computer has over 3,000 five-star Google reviews and an average phone answer time of just 15 seconds. When you call, you won't be stuck navigating endless automated menus. A live person's going to answer the phone and help you solve your problems. You know, I run a business, and it's one reason I love the idea that Vision Computer exists. Because as a business owner, you know you've got to be efficient you got to have tech support issues resolved quickly, and you got to have your computers work. Don't let your employees suffer in silence either. They may be embarrassed or hesitant to ask for help, but with Vision Support, they can get assistance they need to work more efficiently. Reach out to them. Call 404-COMPUTE or go to visioncomputers.com. In fact, if you call them at 404-COMPUTE, ask for the Eric Erickson special when you call. They're not going to have it on their website. It's just for you guys listening. Call 404 Computer Day. Ask for the Eric Erickson special. Be amazed at Vision Computer. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? Well, uh, the two executives at Anheuser-Busch who came up with the Dylan Mulvaney stunt have been fired now, I told y'all this was going to happen, and a whole lot of people didn't believe me. They said, oh, no, they'll, they'll wait till it dies down, and then they'll let them back in. No, 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 That was not going to happen. Although I will tell you the CEO for Anheuser-Busch was on CBS this morning and asked, would he do it all over again? Would, would he 
do another promotion with Dylan Mulvaney, and he would not answer the question yes or no. He moved on and said that Bud Light doesn't need to be a part of uh, controversy. Well, that that suggests to me they wouldn't do it again, but he doesn't want to publicly say it, which is the, the, the you know, here's the problem. Here's the problem. I just... One of the things that I liked about Steve Jobs at Apple when he was around is you knew where he stood on issues. He worked very hard to avoid the legalese speak that so many CEOs do. And now, that was not always the case. There were times they did, but he tried uh, to be as direct as he possibly could most CEOs try to do the legalese nuance uh, that their speech people give to them, including this guy, the CEO of Anheuser-Busch. When asked on CBS this morning if he would do another promo with Dylan Mulvaney, he doesn't say no. He says, well, Bud Light needs to listen to its customers, and our customers have told us that we need to focus on beer and and not other issues, which is a way of saying no, we're not going to do it again. But he can't bring himself to say no. Uh, to, to quote the good book, make your yes, your yes, your no, your no. Uh, the, this this gobbledygook legalese breeds distrust among people. I do my best here to tell you guys what I think, even when you disagree with me. And God knows the amount of hate mail I get on a daily basis from people who purport to agree with me on just about everything. But this one thing I said, oh my gosh, they hate and they've got to let me know about it. Um, it never accuse me of dancing around the issues here. I, I try not to. Uh, but these people, these CEOs, uh, need to stop. It's ridiculous to listen to their legalese. What Anheuser-Busch needs to do is they need to go plug up some Eden Pure Thunderstorms and clean the air corporately and just, just get it all out there and be honest. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm, well, it can't help them with their honesty, but it can help them if their offices stink. And it can help you if your home smells musty or has dusty or litter box odors or pet odors or smoke odors, you name it. Uh, you can get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV or like I do, my travel bag. I keep one there. They're small, very portable, and they just work to eliminate bad odors. What you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com and you put in the discount code ERIC on the front page of the website, E-R-I-C-K. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it is an air purifier. It gets rid of the dust and the pollen floating in the air, but it really works as an odor eliminator. You can plug it up with a USB cord in your car or directly into the wall. Uh, it gets rid of smoke odors, litter box odors, pet odors, you name it. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. The discount code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at EdenPureDeals.com. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Alex, you're going to be up first today. Welcome. Uh, hi, Eric. Big fan of your show. I have the same values, Christian conservative. I have a problem with what's going on in relation to Merrick Garland and his recent testimony that seems to be disputed. And is there no recourse for lying? I mean, I just saw Adam Schiff trying to push an amendment for uh, some uh, ethics for the Supreme Court, and mm-hmm. he doesn't even practice the ethics. Right. Yeah, look. Uh, this uh, is, is there no repercussion for this behavior? There should be. Uh, there, there absolutely should be. This is one of the, the 
most frustrating uh, issues out there right now is the willingness of the Republicans in the House of Representatives to allow this to happen. Uh, Merrick Garland should have been called up immediately, and I do hear he will be up there uh, the week after the 4th of July. This is part of the problem. You know, members of Congress on a bipartisan basis don't like to work, and next week's Independence Day, so they're not going to be working. They're going to go home, but after that, allegedly, he'll come back. They've got to ask him these questions, Uh, and they need to actually get uh, the, the U.S. attorney from Delaware there. They need to find out. Uh, is it true the the whistleblowers from the IRS are deeply frustrated? Uh, there's more than one of them. They provide direct contradictory testimony from what Merrick Garland told Chuck Grassley in the United States Senate. The left spin right now is that, well, Garland would have no knowledge of it because it happened when Bill Barr was attorney general. So somebody get Bill Barr up there and ask him. There is a discrepancy. We should have the answers. If this was Donald Trump, that's all you got to do here. And this is the most frustrating thing. After all of these years of the media aggressively hounding Donald Trump, any contradiction whatsoever. Where is the aggressive media? In fact, uh, you know, Bloomberg today, let me find this is this is worth you hearing. Bloomberg News reported Joe Biden said that uh, Vladimir Putin is clearly losing the war. Period. That's the way Bloomberg News said this. I, if you want an example of the way the media covers for Joe Biden, forget that they did not ask anything about white privilege in relation to Hunter Biden after two years of lecturing us about white privilege. Just consider that today, Bloomberg News ran a story that quoted Joe Biden saying that Vladimir Putin is losing the war. Specific quote, Vladimir Putin is, quote, clearly losing the war, except... You would never know from Bloomberg News that's not what Joe Biden said. Listen to what Joe Biden actually said. Here comes Vladimir Putin been weakened by recent events. It's hard to tell, but he's clearly losing the war in Iraq. You got that? Did you hear that? Those are the reporters shouting the questions. They finally put the microphone to Joe Biden's face. He's clearly losing the war in Iraq. The Bloomberg quote of Joe Biden is that Vladimir Putin is, quote, clearly losing the war. That's not what Joe Biden said. Bloomberg News reports Joe Biden saying Vladimir Putin clearly losing the war. What Joe Biden actually said is Vladimir Putin is clearly losing the war in Iraq. That's it. Vladimir Putin is 
clearly losing the war in Iraq. The mainstream media led by Bloomberg News refuses to report the quote accurately that Joe Biden said Vladimir Putin is clearly losing the war in Iraq. They are covering for Biden. They are editing his direct statements. They do not want you to know the truth of what Joe Biden said any more than they want you to actually question the discrepancies between Merrick Garland and the whistleblower at the IRS. They are all in the tank for Joe Biden. It is um, kind of remarkable that we have social media now that can allow us to see these discrepancies pretty quickly, and uh, we can get them out there. And kudos to Stephen Miller from The Spectator for pointing that one out really quickly after the Bloomberg reporter refused to actually uh, call it out quickly. By the way, Speaking of the Biden administration, we got another Kamala Harris problem here. Listen to this. See if you can tell what's wrong with this. And also, in the thing that she's been doing and what doulas will advocate for is you as the, the pregnant person, as a pregnant woman, create a team. Mm-hmm. And your team will include your doctor and your doula. Let's listen one more time. And also, in the thing that she's been doing and what doulas will advocate for is you as the, the pregnant person, as a pregnant woman. Notice she had to catch herself. As the pregnant person, as the pregnant woman. Here's something that bugs me. I, I am, I, I'm, um, I, I gotta, Okay. There is this idea on the left that people on the right are not deep thinkers, are not critical thinkers. Just take whatever Donald Trump tells them and they embrace it as their own and quote them. I'm sorry, but I'm not the person who, when the left decides that we got to go with from homeless to unhoused, immediately change. Or from pregnant woman to pregnant person, I suddenly change my language. It is remarkable to me how on the left, they are willing to change their language and key phrases they've used forever overnight to comply with left-wing groupthink. People on the left really need to shut the hell up about people on the right not being deep thinkers or critical thinkers when they are willing to change their language overnight to follow a herd. This is not deep thinking. This is not critical thinking. This is group thinking. The amount of people on the left now who say pregnant person instead of pregnant woman is ridiculous. The amount of them who still use Latinx when no one in the Latino community uses Latinx, white progressives rush, fall all over themselves to use it or unhoused instead of homeless and all the other euphemisms of the day, all designed so that they can avoid dealing with the problems their policies created. I mean, that's the whole thing about unhoused and urban camping and whatnot is it makes it sound like it's a lifestyle choice so the left does not have to deal with their own policy failures. Unhoused. Pregnant person, the rapid embrace of the left to the shifts in language of the herd does not indicate deep thinking on their side. 
it indicates a level of irrational groupthink. You know, as an aside, I wasn't going to get into this, Dale, but I might as well. I noticed that the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, the, the, the dude who thinks he's a woman, uh, yesterday said that uh, gender-affirming care is a mental health issue. It's we're preventing teen suicide by allowing uh, gender-affirming care. Y'all, I thought it wasn't a mental health issue. I, I thought it was a perfectly natural thing. That, that, that the trans ideology says that transgenderism is a real thing, but suddenly when they don't get their way, suddenly it becomes a mental health issue? Really? This is, this is an inconsistency. It's an irrationality in the ideology of the left on these things, and they just keep changing the language to avoid having to be pinned down or defined based on the failures of their policies. This is happening more and more, and this goes back to the Hunter Biden situation. Yes, it all goes back to the Hunter Biden situation. Just, just follow along with me. We have been lectured by the left since June, since the end of May 2020, after George Floyd. We have been lectured repeatedly about white privilege. People who are white have been made to feel bad about the color of their skin. They have been told that they are oppressors. When the dude shot up the Asian spa in Atlanta because he was a sex addict, they refused to talk about human trafficking. They refused to talk about these Asian spas being whorehouses. They refused to talk about any of that. They wanted to talk about anti-Asian hate. And when it turned out the data showed that the predominant Asian hate in this country comes from young black men, suddenly the language and the rhetoric was, well, these young black men are expressing the antagonism of white supremacy and white privilege against them, and they're lashing out at non-white people. They're trying to be white by doing the violence. That was the excuse of the left. By the way, an elderly Asian lady was held down on an escalator until it cut up her face the other day by two young black men. Did you hear this story in the news? Now ask yourself, if it was you two white men who did it. It'd be a national story. The media didn't want to cover that any more than they wanted to cover Joe Biden saying Vladimir Putin's losing the war in Iraq. We get lectured about double standards when, 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 when white people do something terrible, it becomes the lead story on the news. If a black person does the same thing, it does. Just, just, just look at the, look at the cases. Remember the shootings? You had that massive, massive shooting in Alabama at the birthday party. 32 people shot. And it was black on black violence and the news mentioned it in passing. You had the white girl pull into the driveway of the older senior citizen white dude in New York, and he shot and killed her. It was barely mentioned in the news. But the white 80-year-old who shot the young black kid who thankfully lived in St. Louis, that was a news story for multiple days, and the family got a call from the White House. That was the story the media chose to play up because it was an older white man and a young black boy. It was not the older white man and the young white girl. No, 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 no. It was not the black kids who shot up the black birthday party. No, no, no. It was the older white guy who shot the young black kid who thankfully lived, unlike the white girl in New York who got shot. That family of the young black guy gets a call from the White House. The media talks about white privilege. The media talks about white on black crime. Hunter Biden does what he does, and the media does not say jack. If it was someone else not named Hunter Biden, if his name was Donald Trump or Eric Trump, 
they would be all sorts of lectures from the media about white privilege, all sorts of lectures from the media about how white people get away with stuff. But when it's Hunter Biden, they don't say anything because they're in on it. They change their language to comply with the left. They change their framing of stories to comply with the left. They change their narratives to comply with the left. And they refuse to talk about certain stories when it might undermine the left and the Democrats. So you can't have a discussion of Hunter Biden and white privilege, and you can't say that Joe Biden literally said Vladimir Putin was losing the war in Iraq. They have to cover for him. They have to clean up the lines, and they got to change their words to comply with the herd of the left. And this is why so few people believe anything they hear in the media anymore. The media itself is destroying itself to comply with the left. And a free people need a free press, which we don't have, because they are captured by left-wing institutions and held hostage by their hatred of flyover country. Americans for Prosperity is in flyover country trying to break down barriers and fight and win for the right and for the conservative movement despite a hostile media coming for them and all the rest of us. And you should be a part of their team. If you go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, you can sign up today. You can be a, a activist for limited government, for free markets and free people with Americans for Prosperity. They've got 36 state chapters. They're building state chapters in the other states. They've got 4 million volunteers and they have racked up major legislative wins across the country this year for limited government, for free markets, for free people. If you believe in free markets and free people, if you want to become a better activist and advocate for free markets and free people, AFP will teach you the skills to knock on your neighbor's door to persuade them to your cause, to show up at your board of education or your local government or your state government and persuade them to fight for limited government. All you got to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. Sign up now, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Greetings. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, First Liberty can help your business grow. If you're buying a building, building a building, need to buy a franchise or expand it, reach out to them. Firstlibertyga.com. Firstlibertyga.com. I got to play you this. This is going to blow your mind. This is a pastor of a congregation. Now, you should know if you watch the video, you will see that the entirety of the congregation, save for two people, is elderly. There's only like two young people there, and it is 100% white. An old congregation of white people. And this is their pastor. I invite you to rise in body or spirit and let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. 
So, beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. <laughs> um. Uh, this it, it is it is a religion. It's not recognized by anything related to like Christianity. The uses of the language. I mean, the Gnostics did too. I mean, and that's essentially what this is. This is Gnosticism. Uh, uh, but yeah, this this is this is a thing, folks. This is an actual thing here. You gotta be aware. This sort of nonsense is happening out there. We got a bunch of crazy people on the march who the media uh, refuses to recognize as crazy, uh, despite the deep contradictions of their zealotry. It, it, this is really insane stuff. By the way, you should know, I mentioned yesterday the marchers. I, I played you the audio of the marchers down the streets in uh, New York City who were chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your kids. Yep, uh, NBC News wants you to know this is no big deal. They've been doing it for a very long time. It's all part of it. Actually, that's not true at all. I've talked about this before, uh, and I looked it up. It was two years ago, not last year. I said this morning when I wrote this morning, I said last year. It was two years ago. Uh, this is the, the Gay Men's Choir of San Francisco started this two years ago uh, in, two th- in 2021 after uh, people were getting back out of their houses from covid this was their chant. This is not an old thing. NBC News is lying today, saying it's no big deal. Don't worry about it, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, uh, you know what? Parents, people on the right are talking about groomers and grooming kids and stuff. If you want them to stop it, maybe stop playing to this sort of insanity. That is just crazy talk. When we come back, we're going to shift gears. The biggest issue in America According to the NBC News poll, do you have any idea the biggest issue, according to the NBC News poll, shared by Americans across parties?